Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Sam, it's Eric Roberts, is the fucking man Redux, the world's most beloved Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the man with the golden gun, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? Yo, I'm pretty good, Doug. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually like just in a cranky mood, so this is me trying to be natural. Did that come across? Did that sound like a normal, natural human who's in a good mood? Did that? I don't encounter many natural humans in my <laughs> okay, everyday yeah, life, yeah, to be totally true. honest. Liam, why are you in such a bad mood? You've recently... Uh, yeah. As of the time of this recording, you've yeah. taken a lengthy trip to visit your mother in uh, in near your your stomping grounds back in Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought that would make you very happy. Um, no. That was uh, incorrect. <laughs> I don't know where you got that idea. No, I, I, I looked at a lot of your photos on Instagram. It seemed like you were having a whale of a time. You don't take pictures of the bad stuff, Doug. No, uh, <laughs> seeing my friends was was really great. Like I got to see a lot of people who I love, people who are hosts of podcasts on this very <laughs> network that I, you know, uh, well, I, I knew I hadn't met m- almost everyone. Susan had not, though, so that was fun for her. Although sure. I guess being at dinner with someone who you've only heard their voice is a little weird, I guess. I guess that's weird, right? But whatever. But yeah, it was cool. But, you know, it's not a it's not a vacation. I think calling it a vacation, you know, people, oh, you're on vacation. It's like, no, I was on a trip, right? Sure. It's not, it's, there was not enough relaxation time to call it vacation. Well, I'm glad that you were able to come back and immediately have you do a podcast about Eric Roberts. The most relaxing thing a person can do. I mean, look, I did a podcast while I was out there, so yeah. it's fine. It's not a big deal. Yeah, you and could record podcasts while you're out there with other people, but not with me, apparently. Well, yeah, because we were in person. We were in the same room. <laughs> you refused to record in the same room with anyone, because then they'd see all the weird ticks that you do when no one's watching. <laughs> look, I wish I could push back against that. <laughs> That was a pure guess, but I know I'm right. Liam, how's the family doing? Oh, well, you know what, Doug? My daughter's birthday is tomorrow. Shut up, Liam. Our guest today is a writer and (laughs) podcaster who is extremely excited to be talking about the film work of Michael Flatley. It's Maddie Price. How are you doing today, Maddie? Oh, it's so good. That was very enjoyable to listen to uh, without being able to say anything or laugh. Well, I was legitimately getting bored with what he had to say about his trip. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Matty, it's good to have you on the podcast. This has been a long time coming in a lot of different ways. We'll, we'll make a little bit more uh, of this a little bit later, but we're here to t- today to talk about uh, the Michael Flatley project, Blackbird. But we cannot mention anything about that now because we need to save all of our thoughts and our opinions. It's a bit of a controversial subject. Before we get into so all many, the news, so all the exciting stuff, yeah. what are your feelings on Eric Roberts, the actor? Generally very positive. Generally, yeah. okay. Well, no, no. Generally very positive. Okay. I was thinking back to, like, I'm pretty old, so I think my earliest memory is probably Pope of Greenwich Village. Sure. Like, in terms of, like, being aware of the movie being out, although I didn't see it. I, I have seen it, but not at the time it was out. And I really, really remember Coca-Cola Kid mm. being, like, a kind of like a big deal. 
like, uh, oh, this is a movie with real charm and heart and you really got to see this. So I remember Coca-Cola Kid. Did not see that when it was in theaters. I, I'm almost 100% positive I did see Runaway Train. In Interesting. That, yeah. that, you know, I would love to have an experience seeing that particular movie in theaters. I think that one would be a real experience. Uh, those yeah, are three Runaway great, Train, great Eric Roberts performances, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then I am just aware of him as a guy who shows up quite a bit in mm. things. And it's always kind of delightful when he does. I, I, you know, is it Dark Knight or is it Dark Knight Rises where he shows up? It's the Dark Knight where he plays Maroney. <laughs> right. And that is like, once again, like that's as delightful to me as like Tom Berger showing up in uh, in Inception. Like, it's just like, oh, great. <laughs> this guy's it's, here. Terrific. It felt like a similar kind of idea, right? Like Christopher Nolan's like, who's a guy yeah. like that? Well, here's another guy like that. But I mean, Eric yeah. Roberts, yeah. he pops up everywhere. And that is the exciting thing about hosting a Eric Roberts themed podcast is that look, Maddie, let me just cut to the chase here. We watch a lot of garbage yeah. on this podcast, but we don't seek out garbage. Yeah. It just happens because Eric Roberts is in a lot of horse shit, <laughs> but it's not all well, horse shit, right? It's uh, some of it is good stuff. Even now, some of it is good stuff. And this is, we are miners. We are garbage pickers. I would say we're picking through the garbage, finding a beautiful diamond. Is di- yeah. our diamonds often buried in garbage? We're finding those diamonds in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> where they naturally well, form we, from all the pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say this, and maybe maybe this is uh, runs counter to your whole philosophy of like, please why do, we do a podcast like this. Sure. I'm say well, we made it. I got to stop you right there, Maddie. Liam and I made a blood oath to cover the life and work of Eric Roberts. So it's not about a philosophy; all it's good. actually an oath that we made. So we can't stop it. But please continue. My feeling is this: mm-hmm. no one's career is a fucking story they are trying to tell you. Okay, like mm-hmm. the idea that somehow their their work is some sort of comprises some sort of narrative that you need to be amused or entertained by is one of the biggest, dumbest ideas that's sort of prevalent with a lot of like the way people follow actors and stuff. And they're like, sure. how did you do this movie that was mm-hmm. bad? It's like, he's going to work. <laughs> no one no one is looking at their paychecks going like geez i hope this makes a good story like that's dumb <laughs> they're just working and, and, and the, right? the thing is there's a there's a handful of actors in this world who because of their their demand for them that they're picking and choosing projects right so you can be a little bit more like hey right. why did they do that instead of this or this but yeah the majority of actors in this world and eric roberts is certainly among them are working actors and guess what this guy likes to fucking work he likes to work 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 and uh and maybe he yeah. isn't Maybe he just doesn't have the luxury of choosing the best and worst of those projects. Though I have to say, <laughs> and I'm just just being straight with you, Maddie. Sometimes he picks some particularly <laughs> fucking terrible projects. Some of them are bad. Really, yeah, die. yeah. But bad yeah. in a way like bad is bad is like a, a sliding scale, right? Bad is an interesting thing to talk about because the movie we're going to talk about today, I mean, in terms of production value and things like that, it's about ten times. The, 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 the quality we're used to on this show for a lot of the, the work that we cover. But there's other th- elements that can be bad. Like, you know, like faith-based movies could be bad on a different level. There's all sorts. It's a rich tapestry of filmmaking out there. Yeah. The other thing that, that guides me in my life is uh, the idea that um, people with no taste or people that you uh, would hate in real life, they also like watching movies. Yeah, exactly. Everyone needs to watch so, movies. You know, so they so sometimes the movies are for them, mm-hmm. <laughs> not for you. Yeah, the ones that start Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so Maddie, this uh, episode has been a long time 
in development because, frankly, we've been waiting for Blackbird to be available to watch. It did have a short theatrical run in the uh, in the United Kingdom, and boy, the uh, the reviews were quite interesting. We will get into that a little bit later. Uh, and if I knew that it was going to take this long for us to be able to have a copy of it, I probably would have pushed Liam. Liam, I know that you love to go to the cinema to go see Babylon, which also features Eric Roberts. Uh, but I'm thinking that we're likely to be covering that on our next episode. Two big budget blockbusters in a row. Uh, so things got delayed, but now we're here. We're going to talk about the beloved Michael Flatley in Blackbird in just a little bit. But before we do that, Maddie, Liam, we need to talk about all the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. <laughs> It's the Roberts Report. For this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Redux, we start, of course, with some recent tweets from Eric Roberts on the Eric Roberts Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, and I think that you should. Recently, he tweeted, this is a good one, (laughs) we love Sharpie, but we love at Bic marking way more. Fantastic tool in the uh, battle between Bic and Sharpie. Eric Roberts has taken a side. Got to start with our guest here today, Maddie Price. Bic or Sharpie? Oh, I'm going to have to go Sharpie. Mm -hmm. I don't like to contradict Mm -hmm. Eric Roberts, but... Oh, we contradict Eric Roberts all the time. (laughs) A Bic is is just a pen. That's just like any other pen. No no other marker is like a Sharpie. I guess he's speaking specifically of a Bic (laughs) marker. I need to look at... Yeah, Bic marking is what that thing is. So let me just take a look here. Yeah, I guess Bic also makes a range of markers, but I have to say I have a, an allegiance to Sharpie. I don't feel like I'm going to be breaking it any time, especially for round-headed old Bic. Liam, thoughts on the Bic versus Sharpie debate? It's not even a fair comp- – I mean, I'm Please. assuming – he got paid for this tweet, right? I don't what? know. I don't know How dare why. you? What? I don't – there's no reason. Is there's this an no, airline? There's no justification for this tweet. Other than and Price storms off the show. There's there's no <laughs> it's a bullshit. There's no way. There's no fucking way. My man was just using Sharpies and Bix and went, I don't know, these Bix are better. I'm gonna tweet about it. Get the fuck out of here. There there's Sharpie is so beyond anything. Even even the weird like when Sharpie's like, hey, we're not just good for graffiti, we make other kinds of markers too. Like even those markers, every single one of them is better than a big. Like I don't even want to hear. Now, we're talking pens? That's something else, but Sharpie doesn't really make pens, right? I don't think. I could be wrong, but I haven't I don't see the Sharpie pens in the fucking uh uh, you know, uh I don't know what to call that aisle. Uh, stationary aisle. Stationary office Thank supplies. You. Thank you. Office, no, office supplies, supplies is way better than stationary. I was definitely about to say pen <laughs> aisle, which is like, no, it's not an aisle just for pens. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just trying to wonder, Liam, where this conference. Like, did someone contact Eric or Eliza and say, "Look, uh, we we represent Bic." <laughs> no, <laughs> here's what we want from you. Leaving you. some big. You're leaving some big money on the table. I 100% bet. I 100% bet it's I I I being too literal. What mm-hmm. really happened was uh uh Liza said, "Hey, we're out of we're out of pens. I, I you know, we got to get some bic." And and Eric was like, "Yo, I got you covered." And tweeted it like, "They're going to send us some now, you know." And I bet it didn't happen cuz look at this. Two retweets, ten likes. Come on, that's not the kind of return you want from an Eric Roberts. Tweet. Well, that was only a twelve-hour-old tweet at the time that I took uh, the screenshot. Well, okay. 
<laughs> maybe you know what one of those uh well not at that moment but one of the retweets that would come after would be coming from me because i was so amused by this as you know, a, a topic i got tweet. i gotta say now that we can see everyone's stats on their tweets twitter's <laughs> such a fucking bummer like you want some proof that your tweets are not going over well you know here you go here it is back on january 17th eric roberts tweeted fallen stars don't do well here on Earth. Hmm. Philosophical Eric Roberts uh, in the in the new year in 2023. Liam, I agree or disagree? Fallen stars don't do well here on Earth. I mean, I agree, man. Woof. Totally. I told. No, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Do you think he's talking about himself? God, A star, maybe. fallen star, or I maybe don't... he's referring to other. You know, certainly he's he's been in the stratosphere of a lot of people who had massive fame that have since crashed and burned. Maddie, any thoughts? Fallen stars don't do well here on Earth. I, I yeah, it's very confusing. <laughs> Is he talking? Do you think maybe? Do you think maybe he's referring to the uh, dinosaur apocalypse? Oh, you think he might be being a more literal? <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you. <laughs> I mean, he, he has been in a number of films about dinosaurs. <laughs> so maybe that does play into it to some extent. It's a little hard to say. I, I wish I could ask him. I wish I could ask for an elaboration. But speaking of elaboration, uh, back on January 12th, Eric Roberts tweeted, no better time for the future than the present. Maddie, thoughts? <laughs> Stop coming to me for thoughts, goddammit. Uh, I have no... I wish I had thoughts on this. Again... Uh, like those kind of weird homilies. Is that like a thing he does a lot? Oh yeah, very oh, yeah, much so. Yeah, yeah. Philosophical yeah. Eric Roberts. Yeah, I feel like you know, in some ways, like Eric Roberts is like a real life Buckaroo Banzai. So I mean, he's very much you know, this is his version of yeah. wherever you go, there you are. Okay, okay, okay. Please, I, yes. I just think like if that <laughs> was like a real person that was in front of you, like at a party or something, you would cross the other side of the fucking room like so mm. fast. Liam, you that, have some thoughts. Right? I okay. I agree. Like knowing who Eric Roberts is, uh -huh. this is one of those random sayings he just tweets out sometimes <laughs> that he saw like on a poster somewhere, or it was in a card, or he got it in his. Maybe he's on CoStar and it was part of his horoscope for the day. I agree. However, the sentiment I think has more to it than we're giving it credit for. Just imagine, right? This being said by James Baldwin after him talking about racial politics in the 60s. Like, I actually think this idea that we often think of a future that is better when the tools for that future are at our feet and we're unwilling to utilize them uh, is, like, actually a real thing. So I think this is one of the few times where one of his, like, random uh, signs he saw at Target phrases he puts on Twitter actually hits on something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is, like, this feeling we have that whatever is good that will change in the world is like for someone else to worry about and like it, you know that people should be patient like well change doesn't happen overnight and it's like i don't know i think actually a lot of times some change does happen overnight and people are just afraid of that reality so when i read it i kind of wrote it off at first but then whenever he tweets these things out i always think like what if i was what what if i was hearing this in a more sympathetic context and occasionally some of these things i go okay yeah i know what he's trying to, I, that's good i appreciate that this is one of those ones liam i wasn't listening to what you had to say just then it didn't seem very interesting but what cool. i did do is i looked up that quote in a quotation marks on google and you know who came up who eric roberts this very tweet i love that i love that <laughs> 
Perfect. No, nobody has ever said that phrase before, uh, according to Google, except for Eric Roberts. Uh, Eric Roberts' original, I would say, Liam. And of course, I was only kidding around. Of course, I was listening to what you were saying. And I think that you were taking it seriously, and I appreciate it very much. And I hope you'll take this next tweet seriously from January 6th, where Eric Roberts said, People whose hearts have been broken should not break the hearts of others. Since pretty much everyone has had a broken heart, just imagine the healed hearts if we adhered to this uh, emoji of a broken heart, emoji of a heart with like a bandage on it, and then a, an emoji with, what would you call that last one? <laughs> I actually don't know. Is it dancing? What's happening with the heart there? It's got like horns. Well, it's like, uh, anyway, but there are three emojis there. Uh, just sticking with you for a second, Liam, what do you think? Uh, broken hearts? Uh, maybe uh, those of us who have had our hearts broken should not break the hearts of others. I mean, I think those hearts really sell it. You know, that's really where you, uh, the the emojis are really what makes this. I heard wild up. hearts can't be broken. You ever hear that mm, before? Sure. Uh, you know, I. This is he said he 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 he, yes. he talks mm-hmm. about stuff like this sometimes, and I'm always confused because I don't know what effect he thinks this is gonna have. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Th- I, that you can have an aphorism about broken hearts that people can just apply in every situation. Like, you know, like I could see like, you know, try not to lie or try not to mislead or try not to use people, but people gonna get their hearts broken no matter what. That's just life. Like, I don't know. Like I, I couldn't imagine. I feel like if you actually tried to live your life, your whole life, never breaking anyone's heart, inevitably you're going to realize that you like, never advocate for yourself or something you know like i I just i think the idea is more that like you should be more careful about how you treat other people because of you know it's very much just an extension of treat people like you'd like to be treated you've experienced the hurt and pain of having a broken heart think about another person feeling that because of you you know just be a little more careful with people's emotions but i don't know that being unkind leads to a broken heart Eh, maybe maddie what do you think well so first of all let me say that please kind of thoughtful introspection about his tweets, especially the previous one, Liam, has made me feel like a real piece of shit. No, so, no, we're, no, no, we're no, here, no. We're here. We just as often say this is some fucking bullshit. Uh, we go both directions on this. Don't worry about it. The fact is we're here. We're, I was like, oh, I was so dismissive. Uh-oh. Uh, if, we were, if we were cynical all the time, it, that, would, that wouldn't be too fun for us. I mean, we're trying to get philosophical here. No, I, Eric Roberts is I on a philosophical yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, so I think taking it, so Liam, I take your point and I, and I appreciate you being a little more, you know, on the level with that. Uh, Yeah, I think this is really like the version of this that I've heard that makes sense is, you know, hurt people hurt people. Yeah, right. And like, that's kind of sort of, I think that's kind of what he's saying. Like, it's more just like, when you have trauma in your life, which we all have, and thank God, because we'd be pretty boring without it. Um, that doesn't mean that you don't have a choice about what you do with that trauma. You have the ability to decide, mm-hmm, am I going to mm-hmm. pass this on without, without examining myself or am I going to think a little more about how I got here before I, before I, before I pay it forward. I heard a pretty great man once he said, when love puts you through the fire, when love puts you through the test, nothing heals a broken heart like time love and tenderness liam do you know who said that no michael bolton in his song time love and tenderness." michael bolton yeah i knew Mm -hmm. it was something like that yeah i figured look i mean how did you pull that quote immediately like that that is amazing hey look i'm i'm not a young man myself i lived through those years and uh uh what, what can i say i celebrate the man's entire catalog 
Oh, my God. Hey, pretty good. <laughs> he so much. Back on December 3rd, 2022, Eric Roberts tweeted, Oft times, yes leads to less. Explaining, as grandparents, we say yes to almost everything, including requests for treats and TV, always fruit-sweetened, not sugar-sweetened, and always Sesame Street. We find when we say yes, the kids actually want less of the forbidden thing. Liam, you are a father of a young child. Mm-hmm. Eric Roberts, pretend Eric Roberts is the parent of yourself or your lovely wife. Sure. And he is treating your child like this. He lets them have as many treats as they want, as long as they are fruit sweetened and not sugar sweetened. <laughs> and then lets them watch as much Sesame Street as they want. And because of that, they don't even ask for those things anymore. So I'm trying to apply this thing that we just did with the last two where I take Please. this seriously. But honestly, like, come on. Come on. Get the fuck out of here. Like, I just, like, I'm a permissive grandparent, except I'll only have, like, very restrictive things I'll give them. Yeah. And they can only watch one show. Yeah, it's, it's not. The, the reality is they don't want the fruit sweetened treat. That's why they stopped asking for it. Like, I just think that's. I mean, don't be wrong. I, I think, I think, um, I do think there's something to pushing back against I, I still see still even today when i feel like most kids i see have no discipline in their lives because they actually sure. are mm-hmm. monsters uh i still see parents who are really pushing this like idea of like you got to teach your kids respect and discipline and i'm like i don't know that that's true like I, I there's definitely no has to come up at some point like obviously but um I don't. I, I I get sort of the vibe he's trying to get, and, and as a grandparent, obviously you can get away with a lot more shit because you don't have to deal with the ramifications of any of that stuff. But I think the 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 thing in the tweet that's so revealing is this idea of like they can have whatever they want as long as it falls within the very strict boundaries we've set for them. Which that's my style of parenting. Like, yeah, you can either have one of these two things. What's it going to be? And that's like that's not actually freedom, though. You know. Maddie, I uh, I don't know about your own uh, uh, experience with children in this world, but uh, I, I think we can all have a little uh, an opinion about uh, about how yeah, children I, sh- I, should be raised. Obviously, I have a lot of opinions about how Liam's child should be raised for yeah, some reason. It's so weird. <laughs> you're very inve- you're very invested in that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what um, can I, I have say? an adult. So, yeah, I have an adult. I am out the other side of this. Sure. Uh, mess. So, then, I mean, you have a different 22. perspective. I'm very interested so, in what you have to say here. Yeah. So I will say that. The, the 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 weird thing for me is the idea that there's some sort of binary choice between let them do whatever the fuck they want right and exactly let them do anything that right. is not that was never and in fact <laughs> like that was never the choice uh I think the choice really is not like discipline and respect or whatever but just like whatever I say is gonna be the thing it's because there's a reason <laughs> right and you get to know what it is. <laughs> Like, it's just, my approach always was, what used to drive me crazy was because I said so when I was a kid. And I remember really distinctly, like, don't do that. Why? Because I said that you shouldn't do it. That was never good enough. And so I never took that approach with my own kid. It was always, uh, look, I don't think that you should have a a hot dog at 4 p.m. Because we're going to eat dinner at 5.30. And you're going to feel bad when we get to 5.30 and we have food and mommy worked hard on cooking it or I worked hard on cooking it. And then you don't want to eat it. That's going to hurt our feelings. I'm hearing what both of you have to say, but I have to, I mean, I don't mean to push back, but (laughs) when I was a kid, my parents let me watch all the R-rated movies I want. And now that I'm an adult, 
I never want to watch R-rated movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they don't feel forbidden enough for me. Because that's what I'm. I, I'm always looking for the next forbidden thing. Really, it just I just it made me uh, look for a, a greater high, Liam. And I know that you yeah. don't agree with people looking for highs, right? Okay. Because you're because you're straight edge. Yeah, I knew we were gonna get there eventually. <laughs> Do you want to? Do you want to bring Michael up Michael Flatley? Do you want to bring up my you band now or later? Or? Liam, you were in a band called Revolver Method. Oh my uh, god! You were the lead singer, a punk, hardcore punk band. Okay, yeah. And uh, and you played music, so you you have some uh, insight into music, and you know what movie has a lot of music? I hear. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which one? Damien the... Chazelle's Babylon, oh, featuring whoa. Eric Roberts. Currently in cinemas at the time that we're uh, recording this, not not a very uh, 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 profitable film, my understanding is. But I've heard a lot of kind of mixed takes, I should say, but some very positive takes on it. A lot of the recent Eric Roberts news has centered around his appearance on it, and it's been great. He went to the premiere, lots of articles and stuff like that. But we'll get into that hopefully on the next episode. But that doesn't mean. There isn't more Eric Roberts news to explore. There's always more. Just a few days ago, Dread Central uh, released an article called, uh, uh, sorry, it's a review, I should say, about the film Menacious, Menacious, uh, a tense stalker, shocker, with a career-defining performance from Eric Roberts. And uh, that certainly caught my eye to see that this low-budget horror movie apparently has a career-defining performance Uh from Eric Roberts. Uh, Apparently, I think it's just his voice. It says here he's perfectly chilling. As the voice of the bloodthirsty Caleb, who clearly delights in tormenting Izzy with his threatening calls. Although he was literally phoning it in, this might be Robert's best performance in years. It should also be mentioned that former Doctor Who actor Colin Baker also voices an elderly police officer. And seeing as Eric Roberts is also a former Doctor Who veteran, Whovians will no doubt be immediately drawn to this. Liam, uh, a career-defining performance, a vocal performance from Eric Roberts. How do you feel about Menacious? I mean, are you skeptical at all? <laughs> I mean, this is supposed to be better than a talking cat. I, I don't buy it. <laughs> There's been some other vocal performances. I can't remember the name of that dog movie we also covered. I think it was a Halloween dog, which people do not talk about oh, yes. in the same yes, in the yes, same yes, yes. Uh, reverent yes. tone as they do a talking cat. Now, I don't know anything about Manishis. I'm not trying to be uh, judgmental about it. I know we're having a little bit of fun here. I just have a little bit of skepticism when it comes to this career-defining performance. Eric Roberts has a great voice. He's he's uh, lent it to many projects in the past, including that Justice League episode. Remember when we watched that, Liam? Yeah, um, so good. Which was which was excellent. Uh, but Maddie, what do you think? Manasius, will you be checking this out? I would. I think uh, uh, you know odds are against me ever watching this what? movie. <laughs> Come now, sacrilege. I, listen, I know. I'm. I don't love trash the way that I what? think a lot of people do. I know. I know. I don't. I. I like good movies. <laughs> I think I think just this description, although I'm sure it's a good performance, but I are you, you know, <laughs> the well, maybe I'm not. I'm I'm willing What would give you listen, confidence in that? <laughs> I'm I'm willing to allow that it could be sure. a good performance. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think the odds on sort of like low budget independent horror are stark. Right. Yes. The odds are are against. Like I'm trying to think of like like things that have batting averages. Like like for me, like film noirs have a really good batting average. That's true. Where like if I take a chance on one, probably it's going to be at least pretty good. And I feel like 
low budget indie horror is like that is the opposite. Like <laughs> you do find some good ones, but man, you got to look really really hard. <laughs> I used to really enjoy that search, but it feels it felt like at first it's like you're just kind of you're pick, like when you're at the video store when you're like a teenager in your early 20s and you're like, I'll pick and choose. I'll pick and choose. But now it's like a mountain just like collapsing on you every single month of yeah. dozens and dozens of these low budget horror movies that all look terrible and probably, hey, don't mean to be judgmental, probably are. Hey, uh, according to the Red Deer Advocate, a Red Deer actor will be shooting a film starring Eric Roberts in Edmonton. Red Deer actor Tyler Duffy could soon get his big break. He's about to start filming an action thriller starring Eric Roberts in Edmonton. Now, Liam, Edmonton is a place in Canada. Edmonton, Where? Alberta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Edmonton, Alberta, mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. And Eric Roberts is heading there. Uh, he previously starred in The Dark Knight, Doctor Who, and The Expendables, his three most famous roles, of course. Sure, of course. This is going to be a huge... Feather in my hat, says the actor. I can use that clip on my demo reel. <laughs> uh, will uh, starring with Eric Roberts in this film be his big break, Maddie? I don't know, but I do find that whole article kind of so delightful. It is. It's nice that it? <laughs> that like right that like that hometown, like a guy from Red Deer, and the Red Deer paper is like, oh, we wish him the best. You know, like it's very, it's very, it's very twee. It's very Canadian yeah, that he's very like that Canadian. excited about it. He, that he's he that said, excited. I'm very happy for him that he should be that excited. He was a power engineer, and when he told his friends he was going back to school at the age of 34 to study film, uh, to study film acting at the former Red Deer College, now a polytechnic, some people laughed in my face. I could see they were thinking, "Well, that's a dream that's going to crash and burn." So who's laughing now? That's part of the article. Perfect. By the way. Oh my god! <laughs> wow! Wow! He's honestly like I from the from the article in the paper. It's very cute, but then I listen to him talk, and I'm like, "You sound like a guy who's like nothing could possibly go wrong." You know, like it's, he's he's doomed. He he might be doomed. I mean, but he's mm-hmm. in a movie with Eric Roberts. That means he's like you know one step away from the likes of you know. Brad Pitt and Kevin Sorbo. That's true. Anyway, this this article is about a film called Red Pine City. It's described as being about a reluctant enforcer who teams up with a country singer to remove the scourge of a local mobster. It does sound like a movie made in Alberta. Um, so I'm not going to ask you, Maddie, because you don't like trash, whether you're going to see that. Liam, are we going to watch Red Pine <laughs> City? Shut this yes. right down. <laughs> yes, we are. Well, Liam, we made a blood oath okay. to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, so we, inevitably we will. Yeah. And uh, in case you're not feeling a little down about that, then maybe a recent article on The Hollywood Reporter will cheer you up. Eric Roberts, on his 700 and counting screen credits, he says, I'm one of the luckiest guys in Hollywood. Uh, this is an article all about the fact that Eric Roberts is so darn prolific. They call him the hardest working man in show business. Liam, we should have called this uh, podcast the hardest working man in show business instead of putting a swear word in the title, which has kept us from really finding any success at all. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. <laughs> I've now uh, is, not not only do normal people not check it out, I've now talked to multiple Eric Roberts like super fans who've never heard of our podcast, and every time yeah. I, I die a little bit on the inside. Well, I mean, frankly, uh, you run the site that this uh, podcast is uh, hosted on, so you should be out there. It's it, that's you. That's your fault that it's not getting out there into the world. Mm, good point. <laughs> In this article, by the way. There's a quote, uh, sorry, a quote. There's a question asked to Eric Roberts. I very recently watched you in Blackbird by Michael Flatley. How was it filming with the Lord of the Dance himself? Getting a little ahead of myself here, but here's what he has to say. 
Well, I actually have a story that's nothing to do with the film. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But I had an afternoon off and ran down to the beach, which was beautiful. I'm all by myself and wondering why there wasn't anybody there. So I did some swimming and sunbathing, and then this gentleman in a SWAT uniform and armed to the teeth suddenly comes over to me and says, uh, says I have to leave, and that it's a private beach. I asked, whose private beach? And he said, Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jordan. I said, I'll be gone in a minute. (laughs) Eric Roberts can't uh, swim on this beach because it's owned by, I guess, co-owned by Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jordan. (laughs) Unless this is news that Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jordan are a couple. Hey, maybe. <laughs> we Goodbye, Stedman. Been successfully hidden from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, Maddie, this guy Maddie, blows it for the entire... Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Eric Roberts just in some <laughs> random Hollywood reporter interview <laughs> completely. This is the scoop. Um, from this interview, by the way, he talks about how Margot Ro- uh, Robbie deserved a Oscar for her role in Babylon. And it got a lot of traction afterwards. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, Liam, unless it's a write-in for this uh, this year's Oscars. Yeah, that's fair. Liam, (laughs) Eric Roberts stars in new comedy drama film, Dog Boy. This is an article from wishtv.com. In this new comedy drama about filming a Western, Dog Boy, Roberts plays a Hollywood agent focused on his own financial well-being. It's a comedy drama about filming a Western. I know I said that again, even though I said it before. This article is very badly written. This is a man who is no stranger to Hollywood agents, as he is one of the most prolific actors in Hollywood history, though it's an actor in Hollywood history, with a staggering 664 film and TV acting credits in his 40-plus year career. Uh, Dogboy is actually streaming right now on FlixWest.com, which is a website I've never heard of before. I don't know, maybe it's a... What do you think that is, Liam? FlixWest.com? No idea. Let's take a look. (laughs) FlixWest.com. It is... Movies that thrill, okay. Stream different. I'm just looking for no ads. This just sounds like somebody signed a deal for like uh, a movie that's going to stream off your dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) It is only five ninety nine a month to get Flix West. Uh, I could start my subscription right now or buy a gift card for one of you. Just looking to see if I recognize any of the movies, which isn't to say. That they're good or bad, just whether I recognize... I would say no, but Dog Boy is on the front page. So if you want to check out Dog Boy, it's streaming now on FlixWest.com. Uh, Maddie, interested in Dog Boy at all? I don't know if this uh, fits into your definition of trash or not. It sounds like a, It sounds like an airsats Tropic Thunder. Could be. Uh, it, it, is a... <laughs> it feels like almost the same setup, like he's playing the Tom Cruise part. And... <laughs> They're making this movie, and it's but it's about him. Somehow. Go into it with those expectations and just see what happens. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. That's the that's the level I'm pitching this whole thing at. By yeah, the we'll way, speaking it. of which, the please, it's not completely it's not completely uh, devoid. Uh, FlixWest.com does have a copy of Brooklyn Rules with Alec Baldwin. Okay, so, so that's like a real movie, kind of. <laughs> since sort of since since you've continued. The, Boy, they got a lot of stuff that I don't recognize, which is, again, not a... Uh... Oh, they yeah. do have Rescue from Gilligan's Island Trivia Edition. What the fuck could that be? I'm so curious. Wait a second. <laughs> They've gotten three new subscribers just it's during like this a, podcast. It's, it's, it's a pop-up video version of Rescue from Gilligan's Island with remastered better picture and sound. How bizarre. Anyway, uh, I'll have to throw some money at that a little bit later, I guess. 
Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is Amityville Bigfoot, written and directed by micro-budget stalwart Sean C. Phillips. The IMDb description says, Bird watchers, activists, scientists, and a film crew unknowingly converge in Bigfoot's neck of the woods, where something even more sinister lurks. Uh, According to the IMDb trivia, this was a pay-to-play film, meaning the director forced the involved cast to pay him to be in it. Perfect. Fucking perfect. I say there's probably one exception <laughs> to that rule. Uh, this is a, a recent addition to the Amityville canon. Of course, people know the Amityville horror and uh, some of the sequels to that. Recent Amityville um, uh, movies include <clears throat> Amityville The Awakening, Amityville Prison, a.k.a. Against the Night, Amityville Witch Activity, The Amityville Murders, Amityville Mount Misery Road, The Amityville Dawn, Amityville Island, Amityville Vibrator, Witches of Amityville Academy, The Amityville Harvest, An Amityville Poltergeist, Amityville Hex, Amityville Vampire, Amityville Cult, Amityville Scarecrow, The Amityville Moon, Amityville Cop, Amityville Cabin, Amityville in the Hood, Amityville Uprising from 2022, Amityville Outhouse, Amityville Gas Chamber, Amityville Karen, Amityville in Space, Amityville Pooh, Killer Poop 2, Amityville Christmas Vacation, The Amityville Exorcist, Amityville Thanksgiving, Amityville Scarecrow 2, Ghost of Amityville, The Amityville Cute Farting Cat, and Amityville Rideshare. All of those real movies. <laughs> Liam, what do you oh think about this God. whole... Liam, what do you think about this whole Amityville uh, thing where people have made a lot of Amityville horror movies? There's no Amityville Godzilla, so clearly... We have not yet fully mined the depths of possibilities here. Uh, I'm particularly interested in Amityville in the Hood. Yeah? I'm so confused as to what that could possibly be. (laughs) But, but yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes, please. I do like that the proliferation of these horrible movies is is one of the few places where we're continually reminded – of the failure and of and how awful the Warrens are, uh, as opposed to the Conjuring, where we like to pretend that they are Catholic superheroes. Sure. So, like, I'm 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 glad that one part of their legacy is continually being shit upon. But other than that, I am so uninterested in these movies. And what's the strangest part about it for me is I don't feel like the anchor of these movies is really strong enough to justify. How you know what I mean? Like, I don't know at what point people are seeing Amityville Scarecrow and going, I don't know, I really like that first Amityville. I think I need to jump on. Like, I don't know who's being sold this bill of goods based upon the Amityville name. You know what I mean? It's, I don't feel like there's so much of a positive feeling towards the original Amityville movies, right? To justify this, this continuance of it or to, to basically try to make a loose connection to that mythology, let's say, or even the real-life events, if you consider those real-life events. Yeah, it's a little bit confusing, especially because I can't imagine any of these movies are profitable. Like, not one of them. Also, <laughs> also this isn't... Oh, uh, they're... They, make no mistake, they are not profitable. That's, no. There's no way. Uh, in fact, you asked, you asked, who are these movies for? And I mm-hmm. believe the answer is Money Launderers. Right. That's what I was about <laughs> to say. I think that must be That's who on. these movies are for. <laughs> Now I don't Somebody want to like I don't like, again, I don't like to paint with a really broad brush, and I know some of the creators of some of these films, including the Amityville Vibrator, <laughs> perfect, and and Amityville Outhouse, um, and you know they, they I think they're not taking it particularly seriously. You can tell from some of these titles, not everyone is taking them seriously. But when you have titles like Amityville Gas Chamber, I mean I don't even know what to expect out of this. Maddie, I know that you this isn't the kind of trash that you necessarily enjoy, but if you had to pick. 
one of these Amityville movies from oh. this list, which would it be? 100% it's Outhouse. But also, like, my interest in this, the deal is that because it's a real place, anybody can use the name, right? So that's why there's all these movies, I think, because they can't. And Amity means French. Amityville is a... Right, but, yeah, okay. So what I'm interested in that no one has done is, like, do more on the side of just, like, what a horror show it is to own your house. <laughs> yeah, just, so, like, Amityville, the Amityville house, money that's pit. good. <laughs> Yeah, Evan and Bill Money Pen is exactly what I was thinking. Like, yeah. Like, just, I said in, when we were chatting, like, before the show, I was like, I want to write Amityville knob and tube. Like, you just find a whole bunch of old ratty wiring and you have to replace it. I feel I would, like, that's a movie I would watch. Sure. I, I just feel like, like, there's, there, I like the, the, the fact that people are just taking into weird places with some of these titles you can, Amityville Christmas Vacation sounds like it could be a little bit odd, but I mean, I imagine none of them are as fun, well, maybe with some exceptions, as fun as, as the title might uh, suggest. Liam, how about Amityville, Amityville? It's an Amityville about Amityville. What do you think? Mm, what? Wait, what? That <laughs> might be sufficiently meta enough for me to be pulled in. <laughs> Uh, by it. I also want to ask though, we're we're ignoring the other aspect of this story, Doug, Please. which is that is this only Eric Roberts' second Bigfoot movie, or has he done other Bigfoot movies than Bigfoot versus DB Cooper, the classic right. uh, 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 Dakota film? Well, you know what? I don't think we can work it out the the details of Bigfoot versus DB Cooper right now. What we do need to do is take a break. When we return, it's time for the main event. It's time for the movie that we have all been waiting for, and hopefully you've been waiting for as well. It's the movie Blackbird from the year 2018, though only released in 2022. We're going to be talking about it right after this. Is today the day you wish to confess your sins? Not today. My sins are my own. You heard about the incident in London. Blake Molyneux is extremely dangerous. This is our chance. We must get Victor involved. No one can do what he does. I'm not the man I used to be. The Blackbird is dead. You're the only one who can stop this. We've got to come back and fight. When are we gonna get past this? I'll never get past this! You can't just hide from the world. Victor Blackley, I believe you have something in mind. Who I am is none of your concern. And what I do is out of your control. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned, and I'm about to sin again. Troubled secret agent Blackbird abruptly retires from service and opens a luxurious nightclub in the Caribbean to escape the dark shadows of his past. An old flame arrives and reignites love in his life, but she brings danger with her. It's Blackbird from the year 2018 and 2022, written, directed, produced, and starring the Lord of the Dance himself, Michael Flatley. And, and, and if you have forgotten who 
the Lord of the Dance Michael Flatley is. He's the Lord of the Dance. In fact, I believe his production company is called Dance Lord Productions. For those of you who did not live through the height of the Lord of the Dance, he is a Irish-American step dancer, like Irish step dancing. Uh, his show River Dance was just massively popular in the 90s and early 2000s. Made, uh, I guess his... his Shows have played to more than 60 million people in 60 countries and have grossed more than $1 billion. He decided a couple of years ago, or a few years ago, I should say, that he's going to invest some of the massive wealth that he has into making a movie that stars Michael Flatley and co-stars Eric Roberts. Uh, also featuring Patrick Bergen, briefly, as the head of this kind of secret service organization that Michael Flatley's a agent in, Ian Beattie, Nicole Evans, and Tony Fadil. Uh, mentioned before, this is a passion project, and <laughs> Michael Flatley described it as a tribute to the golden age of cinema. Since its release, particularly its theatrical release, late last year in 2022, the film has been universally panned by the press. Uh, one of the things I noted in particular was Mark Kermode, the uh, UK critic. He called the movie mind-bendingly terrible, one of the worst films I've ever seen, and I have seen a lot of bad performances but this is in a stratosphere of his own. In that last quote, he was com comparing Michael Flatley to Tommy Wiseau. So uh, that gave you a certain kind of expectation going into things. Does this movie live up to that hype or lack thereof? Is it so terrible it's good? Is it just plain bad? I don't know what everyone is going to say. I'm very curious. We haven't really talked about this yet. So I want to start with our guest, Maddie Price. Maddie, what did you think of Blackbird? I wish it was sort of room level terrible where mm, pandemic okay. level terrible whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. i don't think it's i think unfortunately it's just bad um yeah <laughs> it's just it's just bad it's just it's just so first of all i i am very proud of this i wa i watched this movie kind of like as a date night thing my wife Ooh. and i together <laughs> sitting on the couch watching romance this movie. in the air <laughs> oh yes <laughs> And it was very disappointing <laughs> of that level. There's so, like, honestly, there are scenes, there are some scenes in this movie that where you can clearly tell that he wanted to write a scene like another scene in a movie that he liked. Certainly. He is so incapable of that poker scene is so <laughs> mind, the mind bogglingly fucking terrible. And there's so many, there's so many moments where dialogue or like things happen that somehow are are either never referenced again or are actively contradicted by the other things that happen in the movie. It's <laughs> like, what did you read all the scenes together, or did you just kind of like go, nope, that one's done. I'm not looking at that again. <laughs> Move on to the next to the next one after it. It's it's incredible how like it really, you know, I don't think Kermode went far enough. I honestly, I very. I've been tossing around in my. I've been tossing around in my head this idea that he. I know he doesn't use these exact words, but that this is a love letter to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. This is a love letter to Hollywood, the way John Hinckley wrote love letters to Jodie Foster. Oh my mm. goodness! This is not. That's a good line. That's a very good. Line. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, usually this... when we, I mean, there, there's been there's been a lot of vanity projects in the history of cinema. And some of them, it's rare, but some of them are like a self-financed vanity project. Usually they're much lower budget than this. Usually they don't have the production value of something like this. This looks like, uh, expensive is a weird word to use, but it looks like a movie that cost a decent amount of money because it did. 
But it's almost like, what if you took a professionally made movie and then you stuck Michael Flatley in the fucking lead? Someone who doesn't <laughs> clearly, like, and it's not even just like, he's a terrible actor. It's not like that. Because obviously he's trying, but he's not a trained actor. So he, he, he's surrounded by people who are trained actors, so he stands out on that level alone. But we're going to get into it a little bit. By the way, I just make it, make, let's make things very clear. I went into this expecting it to be an action movie. There's no action in this whatsoever. None. There's no action scene. Oh my god, nothing happens for a long time. You watch, (laughs) you look at the poster and you look at the trailer, it looks like it's supposed to be like a James Bond movie. And he is supposed to be a James Bond-ish character. They even have the, the, the gambling scene, as you mentioned already. But he doesn't do any of the action whatsoever. This movie is at its core, when he says like the golden age of cinema tribute, it's a remake of Casablanca. Except... The woman re-entering his life, instead of being someone who's fighting against fascism, is a arms dealer. <laughs> so there's no, like, the love triangle, because you don't like one of the fucking guys, and you want him to go away. Liam, you've been a little quiet lately. Oh, I have? Oh, you sure have. I think it's because you've been biding your time, so you can tell us your thoughts on Blackbird. Um, well, yeah. I, I have to disagree slightly with Maddie. Mm-hmm. Because for me, this was not the most terrible thing I'd ever watched. Well, no. Uh, especially for this fucking podcast, <laughs> where we have watched movies that... We, we have watched full-length movies that actually were released and had posters, and some of them claimed to star Billy Blanks, though Billy Blanks was not in the fucking movie. <laughs> That the skill level, like I've seen TikToks made by 15 year olds that were more skillful than some of the full length movies that we've had to watch for this fucking Dark show. Moon Rising, now back on Tubi, available yeah, for streaming. Uh, actual torture movie. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's not the worst thing ever. However, do I think this is the most visually professional, maybe even attractive, terrible thing we've had to watch for this podcast? 100 fucking percent because yeah. it's the first thing where there was enough money that someone who know knew how to work a camera fucking was working the camera and that there's lighting and like things things technically make sense and nothing we've watched for this podcast where things make this much technical sense have been this bad. And so to that extent, I kind of agree with Maddie that this is a fucking atrocity. And 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 I think that to that extent it is almost entirely for me because of what it is, which is a vanity project for the fucking Lord of the Dance or whatever his fucking name is. Yeah. This dude is the worst. This whole thing, it's yes, it's a it's a Casablanca remake, but that choice was made because of him. It has to be him. This oh, is yeah. a movie about him. Uh, there are details that make no sense. Uh, the the uh, multiple opportunities to to pray in Gaelic. Utterly unjustified. I, it's I, I get that he's supposedly. That's what you're mad at. That's amazing. <laughs> it's one of many things. It's the first thing on the list that I'm going to. But the reason is because too much Gaelic praying. Goddamn it! <laughs> because I think you're I think you're missing the point, my man. In being the river dance guy, he has to be no, Mister no, Ireland, yeah, yeah. and that I think <laughs> right, is a right, way. Right. Here's the deal: How many movies have you seen made in Ireland? I've seen a ton. They don't often have Gaelic yeah. praying for no fucking reason, especially no, when you I live on a live on a fucking tropical <laughs> island. Why? What the fuck is going on right now? 
I made the mistake of watching Banshees of Inisherin directly right. after this. Right, right, <laughs> right. So that's step one. That kind of like when that happened, I thought, oh, this is about you. And then it just continues to be about him. Even when, Doug, I got to disagree with you. There is one action scene when a bunch of people pull their guns out less than 10 feet away from each other and just start shooting and somehow Blackbird survives. He's not even shot, right? Like he just like. The reason, good. by the way, and the camera just cuts away. Just cuts. Yeah, they don't say, show the reason you that we're any. Sure. They just cut away. Like, yeah, we get an overhead shot of the fucking firefight, so that we get no like choreography or anything like that, and then it just cuts away, and you're like, who survived? Who who died? And I mean. It, and we find out who survived and who died. All the good guys survived. All the bad guys died. <laughs> it doesn't make any – at least have the man duck behind something. Like, what the fuck is happening? And, okay, so that's that's another thing there. But let's – I mean, we, we mentioned it kind of jokingly, but I actually think – I, I know that the sartorial choices, right? The 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 costume <laughs> of a movie is not. Oh, something we're going to get into the costumes. Like I know it's not it's show. it's not something that people talk about a ton, but in this movie, the most flamboyant. I mean, other than the outfits worn by his love interest, which feel just like strange choices throughout. But let's just focus on him. Like the choices he's made as the star of this movie director whatever um it's a it's such a fucking bummer it's such a consistent bummer and i I bring up all these little details the gaelic prayer the firefight at the end the weird outfits he wears in every scene that don't make any sense for what he's even doing in the scene (laughs) um i bring all that up to be like the reason this is so bad is not oftentimes what we've experienced, which is that the people doing this thing are just so unskilled, right? Or they just aren't sure what they're supposed to be doing that they couldn't help but put this thing together that is like hard to watch and kind of strange or whatever. We've talked about this before, Liam, at length, which is it's hard to get too mad at a movie that has no resources, right? It's just like everyone's trying. It's just that they don't have the talent or experience or whatever. Here, the reason it's bad is because of one person. Because he's an asshole. And I yeah. don't know that we've we, – I don't remember if we've ever watched a movie for this podcast where the one reason is also the, – the one reason the movie is bad is the one reason the movie exists. And the straight, here's the strangest part for me, Doug, and we'll get to it at the end, but I just want to give a little spoiler here. I think Eric Roberts isn't doing such a bad job in this movie. I'm just putting it out there. We've seen him in much less embarrassing <laughs> movies where he's phoning it in and it's like he's not even there. I think my man is like – Present and I'm like, you, bro, how did you show up for this movie? Of all you're the giving away. Movies? Well, I mean, maybe all that trips to the beach. He was scared into <laughs> yeah, it by exactly. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, and Oprah Winfrey's bodyguards. They're, no, I mean, we'll we'll get into that, Liam. We need to back off. Just you're for a right. Second. You're right. I just wanted to give a little spoiler that that was the biggest surprise for me was that aspect of it, <laughs> even beyond how bad the movie was, because I kind of wanted it. And Eric it Roberts as a bad. Bond villain sounds like a pretty cool idea. Apparently, it is a cool idea, actually. <laughs> I have maybe the strangest complaint about this movie that I've ever had about any complaint ever. Uh, sorry, about, uh, uh, the strangest complaint about this movie that I've ever had about any movie ever. And I don't know if either of you experienced this. This might have been because I watched this movie wearing headphones. This is so strange. The soundscape of this movie, the kind of the 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 base level of sound that's going on in the background. It takes place in this in this kind of Caribbean beachside like resort type place. It has this weird squeaking sound that runs throughout the entire movie for the most part. It's like whenever there's a, any like any uh, person that's near the beach, it, there's this kind of continuous 
squeaking, dinging, squeaking sound that keeps on going in the background. And once I noticed it in the background, it started to drive oh, no. me insane. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I started to fixate on it as I, and maybe it's because this movie isn't the most fucking engaging shit in the world. But I, it started, it felt like, like, like a, a little bit of torture as I was watching it and I couldn't disassociate from it. So I know that that's probably, that maybe it's just because of the kind of movie it is. But it was a very strange thing for me to experience as I was watching this movie. And I swear, I don't think I, I really am not making this up. And just to prove it, I'm actually gonna put a little bit of the background audio here, just so people can even Liam maybe can be like, what the hell is Doug talking about? He's most likely on his private balcony. I swear there's something very strange going on in the background. It's like it's trying to no, I didn't notice it either, so it, it's gonna hip it's like trying to hypnotize the audience into thinking this thing is better than it actually is. <laughs> going back to your point, Liam, which is that because of this is a vanity project and it's based on Casablanca, we know exactly what he's trying to do here, right? He watched Casablanca and he's like, Oh, I love Humphrey Bogart and that. And I also love James Bond. So I'm going to be both James Bond and Humphrey Bogart right. in this movie that I'm creating myself. And, I, and to a certain extent, I kind of admire the ego it takes to do something like that. But boy, what it does when you're watching it is it makes you fixate on him as a performer. Because you know, like anyone watching that is going to know, oh, that's Michael Flatley. What's he, like, what's he doing? They're waiting for him to fail. So when he comes out wearing a jaunty hat, fucking tipped on his head looking like a weirdo <laughs> several times or was, or was wearing like a, a like an Irish cap on his head and it's just like all you can do is just stare at it and wondering it's like why did he make that choice what's going on here how is this all coming together and then once you realize that nothing is going to happen for like an hour and 10 minutes of this entire movie yeah it can be a little trying i'll say it's a little bit i think i maybe i found it even more boring than you did liam because it seems to me that at least you were able to get some entertainment value and maddie you mentioned that by the time you got to that poker game you at least you were like what the hell is going on here that poker game is ludicrous it is so wild particularly it's how insanity particularly yeah. how michael flatley loses a few hands in a row first and like loses yeah, yeah. a ton yeah. of money i just thought for a second it's like eric just get up and walk away. <laughs> you have yeah. the one James Bond poker scene where he just well, loses all his money. I think it stands out too, because Liam, what you said is absolutely true, which is that when you first start looking at it and even listening to it, because I didn't pick up on the squeaky thing, but like the first thing that hits you is, oh, this is more competently filmed and looks better and feels like sure. more like a real movie than I thought it was going to be until I realized, and actually some reviewer on Rotten Tomatoes said, uh, oh, this reminds me of like 1980s, like all the non-sexy bits in 1980s pornography. And <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't actually agree. I think, I think, I think that is not giving it enough credit. What this reminds me of is all the non-sexy bits in 2010s pornography. <laughs> like, like this is very competently. This is vixen or blacked level pornography <laughs> where like they do understand lighting they are setting scenes people are you know they're photographed basically well and this is just sort of the dialogue and the acting level of most of the people but especially flatly is sort of at the level of kind of very modern day porn actors i mean that may like, it, it might actually be even a little bit less than that but i mean you're you're definitely hitting the right yeah. target there 
I mean, Michael Flatley is just a bad actor. Also, it's strange that he doesn't do any step dancing. Did anyone expect him to admit <laughs> no, he would like, I do so some? I fully <laughs> expected him. No, yeah. no, no. I knew he wouldn't. The whole point of this is to separate him from that. That's why this exists, because he's like, I'm more than just a fucking dancer. Is that your accent? Is that your Irish no, accent? I don't I know how to do an Irish. Oh, well, I'm more than just a fucking, fucking dancer, don't you know? Harder, harder, harder. Didn't want to separate it or, enough to not call his fucking production company, you dance lord. Yeah. Well, he wants to. He wants you to know, but he wants to show you he can do other stuff, too. Yeah. Well, he does dance. By the way, if we're being just... accurate, if we're, if we're being accurate to the Irish, it's feckin'. Yeah, feckin'. <laughs> Uh, that depends on what part of the island you're from. <laughs> now, I did ask the both of you before we started recording today to come up with one nice thing to say about the film Blackbird. And I'm going to start with our guest here today. Maddie, hopefully that you did not forget the nice thing you're no, going to say about this. What did you like about Blackbird? Mark Kermode was really mean about this, but I was so delighted to see Patrick Bergen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I love Patrick Bergen. He's perfectly fine in it. Yeah. Like, I would almost go so far as to say he's kind of good in that little sort of like grizzled elder MI6 guy role. He's fine. I mean, he, he's I, only there I, for like 30 I like seconds. The scene in, <laughs> yeah, I like the scene in the telephone booth. I like the scene in the car. I like the scene at the party. I just like, you know what? I Patrick Bergen is does not get enough work. I love him always. And uh, so that was my favorite. That was my one thing to take away. Okay, I like that. I'll, I'll I'll go even a little bit further. I don't think that most of the acting in this is terrible at all. There's a few standout people, even aside from Michael Flatley, who kind of let things down a bit. And part of that is they're working off a terrible script. But I mean, it's I think if anything, he, he's hurt by the fact that everyone is so professional except for him. Liam, something nice to say, something positive to say about Blackbird. Well, I think I said one thing already, which is that it looks like a real movie, which maybe sounds like faint praise. But on this podcast, it's it's it, it distinguishes it from a lot of things we watched, not all of which I hate it. Some of the things we've watched that I thought were OK still didn't have the gloss that this thing has. Like there's definitely I mean, not every part, but there are parts of this where you go, oh, I could I can imagine this sort of being perceived as a real movie. Uh, the other thing I'll say is if. Any of the women in this movie were the same age as him. Uh, I would support this movie's view on elderly uh, sex appeal. Like he's just like, I don't care how old you think I am. I'm going to take my shirt off. I'm going to show show you my weird leather chest. And like, <laughs> if that wasn't about his ego, if that was like just really counter our perceptions that youth and beauty are the same thing, then I would be all for it. It's just uh, apparently that only applies to like him and all the women have to be young. And and even even the other men, it's not like all the other men are walking around with their shirts off. It's just him, right? He just gets to be the hot old man. And uh, it's super awkward. But if it wasn't for that, it would be pretty cool. I mean, this also does the thing that most of these projects, uh, <laughs> these ego-driven projects do, which is that Characters are constantly talking about how great he is. Right, right? yes. How sexy yeah. he is, yeah. how perfect he is. Characters are just always like, you need to come out of retirement. We can't do this by our, by ourselves. And, of course, it is necessary for – I don't know why. I don't know why, what's so special about him, this dude in his fucking late 50s <laughs> wandering around the beach. But I mean, Hey, hey, uh, he yeah. told another dude to make a copy of a file. Yeah, that's right. Nobody but him. <laughs> <laughs> I like when at the very end when the terrorist guy – Gets the thing that he made the copy of. He's like, "This better not be a fake." Or <laughs> I'm yes, gonna be yes. hunting blackbirds. It's like, of course it's a fucking fake. What are you thinking? Why wouldn't it be a fake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but it was yeah. also his way of writing in the dialogue bye bye blackbird that's which right bye like, bye blackbird that was, that was the fantastic. other the other amazing line from this which is where he said <laughs> forgive me father for i have sinned and i'm about to sin again <laughs> yeah Liam, I do want to ask you a pretty serious question, which is, did you notice that uh, all the people of color in this film are presented as subservient to all the white characters in the film? Uh, they're either that or they're presented as terrorists. I mean, particularly that like the black guy is supposed to be his. I can't. I'm a, I'm shitty myself because I can't remember the character's name in this. He does end up getting killed in the film. Sorry, spoiler alert. But like, he's supposed to be another secret agent, but he's basically just his man. Friday just does whatever the fuck he tells him. Did you notice that while you were watching it? Uh, yeah. I did, Tuck. Uh, it was a theme of, uh, I mean, even the, the, what is this place he runs? It's like some sort of like uh, colonialist resort. Like what is happening in this? And even more so the, the idea that like, um, what is at stake with, with this thing that the terrorists want? Like there's no context other than it could hurt a lot of people, I guess. No, what and, it was, is it, it, it can either heal, like it's basically can heal any disease or cause any disease. But if you put it in the drinking water, it'll kill everybody. Right, but I mean, to the extent of like, um, who, so who who are these terrorists and who are oh, they yeah, looking to use this thing against? Oh no, right? they don't, they're not in it yet. It's he's going to sell it to someone who's going to sell it to the eventual terrorists. I think it's like five steps removed from. Well, but who are the who are the guys who ended up with it, though? Those weren't those the terrorists. I don't know. I do think this is one of those. This is one of those movies where you do spend if you if you want to, you could spend a lot of time going, wait, who are those guys? Are they with him? Right. 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 Well, there's a lot of that, like confusion going on anyway. Right. I, I just found myself thinking that this man has no. The character that we're supposed to be idealizing doesn't seem to have any concern for like the world at all. Like he, yeah. his, he he basically is responsible for his wife's death, right? Who is also in the agency, which like no one calls MI six the agency, but okay. So she's also in the agency, and uh, and so because of that, he can't possibly care for the lives of any other person in the world. Like it's just there's it's 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 almost like the aloofness. And the unwillingness to be capable of compassion other than for this very attractive younger woman who you used to know. Um, It's part of the character in a way that all felt very strange to me. And it felt of one piece with this, you know, his this uh, fellow former agent who basically works as his assistant and then dies. And it's like. It's it's sad that he dies, but it's like not the most important thing to him in the world that this man has passed away, and the whole thing just felt all very strange to me, Doug. It, it felt like of one piece of like his sort of uh, character being incapable of human emotions. It's also strange that his love interest is a secret agent, and she doesn't doesn't hint like she has no hint whatsoever that her fiance is a. Arms dealer? Like, what kind of shitty say, fucking secret agent? She, she may be the worst secret agent who has ever lived. <laughs> and does MI6 it's, have, it's like... beyond mind-boggling, right? Does Does MI6 have, like, six agents? They have a guy who literally has a, a thing that could destroy the world. Why don't they just send someone and kill him? Like, why don't they just kill him right away? Right? They have, They know he's yeah. in... Right? He has two bodyguards. They can't just kill him. It's a yeah. It's a there's there's a couple of holes, gaping plot holes. I would sure, say this, right. Yeah. There's a scene city. early on where where she's like pr- tries to get him to pretend that nobody knows who she is. Then ten minutes later, it's cool. Everyone can know that she knows them. 
There's there's yeah. tons of stuff like that where I'm like, what what happened there? And we're like, told that there's a bodyguard watching other... her at all times too, right? So it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. But like the yeah. scene where they show up at the hotel and she's like, Nix, don't say anything. And, <laughs> and so he like pretends not to know her. And then like literally like ten minutes later, she's like, Well, I know all these people from my past life as a secret agent, you know? I mean the whole motivation strange. of his character is that he's so sad about his wife's death that he's left the whole life behind and he's become this isolated self-involved person when he used to be the hero of the British free world. But then as soon as he sees this girl, he's like, I mean, we could fuck, but like, I'm still very sad about my wife, but like you could get it though. Like there's definitely (laughs) sexual tension here, but just know I'm also still sad about my wife. And it like, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you write in the continual scenes where he just basically is a walking boner for this character when his whole motivation as a character outside of him being the most badass British person to ever exist is that he's sad about his dead wife. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How about that character? And, and also you don't, no one gives a shit about her because she's so useless, right? Like, I mean, it's that's... very hard to care. <laughs> what happens that char- to her? There's that uh, one character, that young character, who throws herself at him, and she just strips naked yeah. in his uh, room, and he, he sends her out, and she gets so mad that she helps the bad guys, and she helps the bad guys kill the other agent, and when she comes later and admits it, he's like, ah, it's okay. <laughs> well, not only is it okay, he's yeah. like, I know. Like, as soon as this went wrong, I, I knew it had to be a jealous girl, because there's no other reason this would happen. I, I think what's crazy to me is that not only is that uh, spy love interest character that he had, like, not a good spy... She's not even like a functioning woman. <laughs> like she's she's with her fiance. Let's throw everything else out and say that she really has no idea. But she's engaged to this guy. They're at dinner, and he goes, "Now be quiet and eat your food like a good little fiance." And yeah. that doesn't trigger her to get up and go. You know what? That's I'm probably leaving. <laughs> like, well, she does immediately like, get up and leave. I mean, to give her some credit. <laughs> but okay, but like, if never mind whether you think he's an arms dealer, that is one step over the line in any. I can't imagine saying that to any other person. <laughs> It's quite amazing, really. So it, that, that was where I was like, oh, yeah, I don't care about her. <laughs> it's one of those movies, certainly one of those relationships where it's like it's impossible to imagine like anything leading up to this exact moment. Right. Like what their relationship could have right. looked like where he's like, what? He's never been an asshole before because he's an asshole a lot right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange character in a strange movie. And part of that strange mix is one Mr. Eric Roberts as the villain of the piece, the arms dealer Blake. Now, Liam, you've already given away some of your thoughts. I know you didn't mean to go so deep into your love for Eric Roberts in this role, but I am going to start with you because you've already started us off on it. What do you think of Eric Roberts in this film? It's pretty good. I mean, I I don't know if it's as good as his voice work in that weird horror movie we were talking about (laughs) earlier. Career defining. uh, Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, this is this is this is one of those this is one of those Eric Roberts movies where we are I mean, you you didn't feel this way. I felt pretty thirsty for someone to be acting on screen. There sure. is his one drunk friend who is trying to pressure him to like, that's the Flatley character, is trying to pressure him to do something. That guy's like over the top, but at least he's doing something. But the sure. only person who I feel like is really like acting in a way that I find 
to be good <laughs> is Eric Roberts. And so, you know, it's hard in a movie like this to say, like, he really stands out. But I do actually think it's a really solid performance. And again, we know that sometimes for some of these films, Eric can call it in a little bit or just be not fully there. So it's interesting that this was the movie he's showing up for, but I felt like he was he he showed up for it. And it was, I don't know, I, I enjoyed watching him on screen. It was like, other than mocking the fact that Michael Flatley apparently owns like 30 of those shitty hats that he wears throughout the film, uh, <laughs> the only other source of amusement for me was being like, all right, Eric, yeah, you're a real asshole in this. I get it, man. Um, and, and I'm a little bummed that like, like he's also supposed to be like in you know the whole point of the movie is that he's inferior to Michael Flatley like that's the sort of the crux of the film that's a bit of a bummer but still I, I enjoyed watching him in this movie I mean we know where the movie is going to go eventually right, right? right, right. <laughs> he can only be that that you know have that much uh, uh, he can only be so full of himself before he has to be taken down several pegs I like the fact that he is aloof in this movie and I right. like it better when he's able to reveal that even in that poker scene where it's ridiculous, I think he's so much fun there because, yeah, frankly, he's the only person who is having fun. Yeah. He's the only person in this entire movie who seems to be enjoying the experience whatsoever. It also reinforces the idea, by the way, that this movie, you know, this movie probably had a fairly long uh, shooting schedule, right? At least a month. It's not like Eric Roberts does in his normal movies these days, his low budget ones, where he shows up for a day or two and probably doesn't even have to read the script. Here, you know, this is a real enough movie that, of course, he's going to be trying harder because he has actual time to prepare and an actual script, even if the fucking thing is written by Michael Flatley. And I think he equips himself really well in a role that anyone else probably would be just as generic as most of the other characters in the movie. I think he's a lot of fun. I think he has a lot of great moments. That uh, part where he's on the he's on the uh, the yacht and he's pressuring the guy to do the bank hacking and he's just leaning over him about all it just just reinforcing the level of pressure before fall, uh, throwing him off the yacht itself. I think he's a lot of fun in those scenes. I think he may be the one performance in this film that I think stands out as enjoyable. Uh, outside of maybe the three seconds of Patrick Bergen that we get, Maddie, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Blackbird? Yeah, he's not he's not the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that good, that, that's a good he's way of putting it. He's not the problem. <laughs> he's not the problem. He's fine. He, I do, I agree. I think that scene on the boat is, you know, there's some things about it. Again, it's not written very well, but like he's he's having fun, kind of leaning over the guy, and he he plays this guy he has a kind of very ambiguous sort of sexual threatening energy through the whole thing mm. which i i thought was pretty effective like with both the men and the women that he is around he has some weird he's like very it's like a he there's some there's something just off-putting about him just being near you physically in the movie that like you could see he's making everyone nervous and like he's sort of selling that like you know, I'm a big criminal and people are afraid of me and that's how I kind of get what I want uh, stuff. I think he's doing a good job with, with I think all he, of that. I, th um, I like I like the initial stuff where he's just being kind of generally charming, but of course we all know right from the beginning that he's going to be a villain. Right. But like, like he's still kind of pretending a little bit and then, you know, the veil starts to shift and then <laughs> eventually he's just a full-fledged evil piece of shit. And I like that too. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. it. It's a, it's, a, it's a real performance, which again, all, it's so strange. Every time we compliment Eric Roberts on this show, it feels like we're damning with faint praise. But in this movie, I think he acquits himself really well. And I think you put it really well, Maddie. He's not the problem. There are so many other problems that you could be pointing at here. At least he's doing his job. Yeah, and I think anything that I'm not sure if it's like the right exact choice in a particular scene, 
I am going to 100% lay the blame on Michael Flatley for not picking the right take. <laughs> like, 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 there is a guy that not only cannot act, but he cannot recognize acting in others. <laughs> so if there are any moments that don't, like, super shine, I guarantee that's because he chose the wrong take for that moment. Look, you are talking about Best Actor at the Monaco Streaming Film Festival winner michael flatley now a festival uh, he, that he apparently made up <laughs> it was the only f- time that set festival has ever run is my understanding uh and it of course was the only place that the film showed for something like four years <laughs> uh, i should note that you actually brought it, uh, up the idea of michael flatley choosing takes my understanding is that there was an earlier edit of this film that ran a little longer and so we are seeing an edited down version so some of the plot holes that we've been pointing at, maybe they're filled in in the director's cut, which I can only hope and plea that we see a Blackbird director's cut one of these days. But for now... 4K... Yeah, 4K, yeah, please, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Criterion Collection, call me up. Um, Before we finish (laughs) up here, we need to ask the question that this very podcast is based on, which is, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2018's Blackbird, starting with our guest today, Matty Price. Is he the fucking man? I'm going to give a conditional yes on that. Ooh, what's, what's I think the he condition? Is, uh, no, no, not anything specific. I think he is, for the most part, the fucking man. For I think I think the only... Yeah, you know, he's... he. Uh, it's not like my favorite performance by him, but it's he's, he's definitely... It isn't? Like I said, he's not the problem. <laughs> it is not. I'm going to say that I think he still... He manages to get away relatively unscathed, and so... For me, that's good enough to make him the fucking man. Oh man, we've 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 said he's the fucking man for a lot lower bar than that in the past. Believe me. Okay, fair Liam, enough. <laughs> Liam O'Donnell, <laughs> Eric Roberts, is he the fucking man in Blackbird or no? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think. Uh, granted, it it, it it could be he's surrounded by such trash that it's easy to stand out. You know, like one of Michael Flatley's hats. But uh, the reality is just that he showed up, he had fun, he did what he had to do. Uh, and, and I'm just glad that uh, he's still doing it, uh, he, he, you know, he, even when he's surrounded by uh, the, the, the dour sadness that is the existence of Michael Flatley. Yeah, he stands out in, in trash, just like Michael Flatley's chest hair. Um, but uh, for now, we need to say goodbye to Blackbird from the year 2018. Matty Price, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about the Lord of the Dance. If people want to check out more of what you put out into the world, what's the best way for them to do so? I think Matty underscore Price on Twitter uh, is probably the easiest way. Um, yeah, uh, I am. I am currently... Uh, a contributor to a uh, podcast called Saturday Night Live Hall of Fame, mm. uh, SNL HOF, which is like a really fun podcast if you like SNL um, in any of its phases. And uh, <laughs> I do sort of like three or four shows a year. It's a really good time. There's a really good host on it. And it's a really fun time. Well, of course, put links to that into the show notes. Liam O'Donnell, you have been away lately, so you've been missing out on all the excitement over at Cinepunks.com. Why don't you give us an update on where people can find you and what's going on over at Cinepunks? Uh, of course, as you said, Doug, uh, Cinepunks.com, that's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Uh, we've got a bunch of new episodes. We also have some new stuff up on our Patreon. Uh, for those of you who haven't checked it out, we've got some Patreon-exclusive uh, shows, uh, interviews, things like that. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. That's patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Um, and 
you know, Doug, if they want to explore our latest episodes or some of the episodes of uh, our fellow Cinepunks podcasts, uh, that website is a great place. Or, you know, wherever you stream uh, podcasts. Uh, Cinepunks is also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and assuming it still exists, Twitter, uh, (laughs) C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X. Um, and they can head over to our website, cinemasmorgasbord.com, to jump into the archive, check out some of uh, the, the various topics we covered, whether it's our show dedicated to Jackie Chan, to Steve Buscemi, uh, our exploration of um, genre film festivals around the world, the work of Alejandro Jodorowsky, whatever it is, uh, cinemasmorgasbord.com. And of course, Cinemasmorgasbord is on Twitter at cinemasmorg, S-M-O-R-G. Yes, and of course, as Liam mentioned, you can find the entire Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man archive both on Cinema Smorgasbord and also the uh, the original Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man is still over at ericrobertsistheman.com. Uh, Cinema Smorg, as you mentioned, see, uh, <laughs> you actually mentioned it, so I won't mention it again. You can find Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules, that's R-U-L-Z, and I'm on there as well at Doug underscore Chili, that's T-I-L-L-E-Y. But for now, we need to close the Eric Roberts bag. We're going to be back very soon with Babylon, maybe. If not Babylon, then another eric roberts classic good night everyone